context that might be. Many of you have been juggling work and, uh, and working from home and uh, trying to do schoolwork as well. Those uh, eight-year-old maths questions are actually really tricky. Um, and this is the first week that many parents have had that's been relatively normal. So if that's you, if you've been in that situation, just want to say just well done. Like You've done an incredible job. Uh, parents, people who look after children in, in any context. And uh, we are on the way to getting things back to normal. We cannot wait for kids' work here at Grace Church to start up again. We've got some exciting plans in the pipeline, so really look forward to that. But well done. Uh, you deserve uh, a massive round of applause. In fact, let's, why don't we do that now? For Have you ever felt God's asked you to do something really specific? <laughs> the first time I felt God prompting me in this way, it actually ended in tears. Um, I was a student in Liverpool. Um, I just turned 21, and I'd uh, recently come back to faith. And um, my great aunt, who uh, died some years before, she left me some money. And um, I had access to that money now that I was 21. And I had plans for that money. So I was a business studies student. I fancied myself as a bit of an entrepreneur at the time. That's, yeah, so maybe I still do. I don't know. But... Um, but I had real plans for that money. And back in the day, in 2002, in Liverpool, in a rough and ready studenty area, you could get a house for, wait for it, 15,000 pounds. It feels like a different world, doesn't it? That was, uh, that was before uh, Liverpool won the European capital of culture and everything changed there. The housing market's very different. But essentially, my plan was to use this uh, money that my great aunt had given me and to uh, invest it in a house, rent out a room to a couple of friends, thereby making the first step in building my very own property empire to be rich and, and all of that. So I, um, so I had real plans for that money. And then I happened to hear about the pastor's car in a church that I just started attending. I'd just come back to faith, just started attending. His car had broken, and it was uh, beyond repair. And this vague sense of dread stirred in me as a thought annoyingly popped into my mind that maybe I could give some money towards uh, buying a new car for this pastor. And I quickly did what anyone would do and just sort of shoved that right to the back. I didn't want anything to do with that. Uh, I gave it back to God, and he lovingly gave it back to me over and over again, on my knees in prayer. And eventually, I wrote a check um, to the pastor, mumbling something about God telling me to give him some money to help him with a new car, literally with tears rolling down my, my cheeks at the time. And... In that moment, I did feel a real sense of loss as the dream uh, that I'd had had to be put to one side. But I also felt a strange sense of elation as I gave him that check. And I never did, did get to buy that house in Liverpool. But what I did get in that moment was something of far greater worth. That moment was the beginning of a giving journey that sometimes been full of faith, sometimes has been full of fear, but it's genuinely been the biggest discipleship growth area in my entire Christian life. And I can say without a shadow of a doubt that giving has done more to help me understand who God is, how he loves me, his generosity, and also 
who I am and where my faults are and where my hidden belief systems are than anything else in the Christian walk. So today's message is about giving financially to the work of the church, but it is not primarily about money. It's definitely not a fundraising campaign, as good as those things can be sometimes. Instead, this is a message about our hearts. It's about our hearts being shaped to be more like Jesus. Um, and one of the analogies, I'm just going to move back, because either I'm getting heavier over lockdown, but this is wobbling around quite a lot. Um, um, one of the analogies that the Bible uses about us being shaped actually came through by Kathy uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the worship time this morning. It's about God being a potter and us being a clay. It's referenced a number of times in the Bible. One of the times is Isaiah 64, verse 8. So let me read that. It says this. But now, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are the potter. We are the work of your hands. He is the one who has both shaped us, and he goes on shaping us to be more like Jesus, to be uh, all that we're called to be. So being a follower of Jesus is first and foremost a journey of being shaped to become more like him. So and what we want at Grace Church is for that to happen in all manner of different contexts. So the men's discipleship groups were a great example of this. But we want, to happen, we want it to happen as the Holy Spirit works in our hearts as we worship. Um, in in uh, times where we are gathering together, in home groups, where we are sharing each other's lives, where we are uh, encountering each other, strengthening each other, speaking life and truth into one another. And we also want to happen in our teaching and our preaching. And so the point of today's message is, is to shape our hearts. It's, as we, it's so that as we step out, of faith, step out in faith and giving, my hope and prayer is that we all grow and are shaped to become more like Jesus. And as I said in the story at the start, how I use my money has been absolutely central to my spiritual growth. And many of you in the room and at home can testify to something similar. And the reason why money is a spiritual issue is a spiritual issue is because in our culture, it is one of the things that's taken the place of God in people's lives. The pursuit of money and the pursuit of happiness, they are inextricably linked together. It's what people uh, look for in life. And ultimately, it's what's worshipped. So when the Bible says that we are to worship God. He is the one in whom we find security. He is our comfort, our hope. He is our joy. And not only that, he is the one who provides us with the blessings that we encounter day by day, including money. The money in the bank is actually his. You know, you might have brought that car or that house or that computer or that phone, but he provided you with the money to do it there's real conflict with what the world says, the prevailing worldview. So money, therefore, actually becomes the line in which a battle is fought between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this present age. And our culture, it claims a lot of things about money, doesn't it? But there's three principles that I think it claims above everything else. Number one, 
You've worked hard for the money, so it's yours. Do with it what you want. In the words of someone from Parts and Rec, treat yourself. <laughs> Maybe a too niche a reference, who knows. <laughs> Two, buying and upgrading is one of the keys to success and happiness in life. And three, it will bring you and your children safety and security. That's what the world says about money. These messages bombard us in every waking hour, in social media, in adverts. Sometimes it's very covert. Very often, they just smack us around the face. They're, they're blatant. I thought I'd test this by doing a two-minute Google search. So I thought, let me try and find the most blatant advert that I could emphasize in this point. And Coca-Cola, you delivered, so thank you very much. This is what I found. It says, open a Coke, open happiness. Was it that simple all along? <laughs> happiness comes from a bottle of Coca-Cola. Is that true? Is that the vehicle by which happiness is delivered? No, of course not. It's a lie. And we, the thing is, we all know it's a lie, don't we? None of us would actually seriously take that advert at face value. But the crazy thing is, it still makes me want to have a Coca-Cola. So how do we battle against these lies, this prevailing worldview? How do we stop this worldview from creeping into our hearts and gradually changing us? Well, Scripture says we battle against it by generous giving. Money and possessions are mentioned in the Bible over 800 times. And the encouragement to give is referenced over and over again. So let me just read a few of these verses now. I've got a few from the Old Testament, a few from the New. Um, so firstly, 2 Chronicles 31 verse 12 says, God's people faithfully brought in the contributions, tithes, and dedicated gifts. Proverbs 21 verse 26 says, All day long he craves for more, but the righteous, they give without sparing. Into the New Testament, Luke 6, verse 38 says, Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured onto your lap. For the measure with which you use, it will be measured to you. Hebrews 13, verse 16. We're in Hebrews at the moment in our teaching series. It says this, Do not neglect to do good, and share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. And finally, out of the verses I'm going to read this morning, 1 Timothy 6, verse 17 to 19 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty. I had to look up haughty. It means vain or conceited. Um, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, that they may take hold of that which is truly life. This is the message that comes through again and again and again throughout Scripture in order for us to live life to the full, in order for us to step into all that God has for us, we need to destroy the lie that the world peddles that the pursuit of money is what's important. And we do this by giving regularly to the work of the church generously and in proportion to what we earn. Giving regularly to the work of the church generously 
and in proportion to what we earn. Why? Because this is one of our main weapons against these lies. Our culture says, look, you've worked hard. That money is yours. Do with it what you want. The Bible says, every good gift comes from God. The world says, look, money, that brings you happiness. The reality is that money tries to take the place of our savior, but it is a poor substitute. It leaves a bitter aftertaste. It never fully satisfies. It leaves you wanting more. Jesus, on the other hand, he fully satisfies. He is our joy. He is our hope. He is our comfort. He is our sustainer. The world says that your security ultimately comes down to you and your bank balance. The Bible says that our security comes from Jesus. He is our rock, not our savings in northern rock. A, a Naughty's a banking reference. Every good preach has one. Um, so let me ask you now, which one of the world's lies about money are you, are you most likely to believe? Which one are you most susceptible to? When I said that the money that you have in the bank, that's yours, do you find that a challenge? If so, God potentially wants to challenge the lie that you might be believing that your hard-earned cash is yours to do with what you want? Do you long for the next phone upgrade or holiday, um, believing not only that it's a nice thing, because these things are nice things and, and they're good to do, but it will transform your life. It will totally uh, make things right. Then God wants to speak to you that stuff is in any way um, going to help you in finding lasting joy? Or is money your safety and your security, both for you and your kids if you have any? If so, you need your eyes lifted to the truth that Jesus is our rock. He's our help in times of trouble. I find myself believing all of these falsehoods, actually, to varying degrees and have done at different points. But if there's one that I think that personally I would be more susceptible to, it would be around money and security. Many of us can see that stuff is just stuff. And actually, we've, uh, we've uh, listened to the hype one too many times, and we realize that that thing's not going to really fulfill us in the way that it promises. But actually, this, this lie that uh, our security comes from money can be a bit harder to break. You know, maybe you find real comfort in savings, in multiple insurance policies, or whatever it is for you. Now, the Bible also talks about good financial management. It says savings are important. And the Bible has so much to say about that, so much so we've got a course that we run called the Stewardship Course, which lays out incredible principles for how to handle money in a healthy way. And if you are struggling financially as you're hearing this message, then going on a course like that could be helpful. But we've also got personal pastoral support that we would love to plug you in with, um, and that's available to you. And not only that, because of people's generosity at Grace Church, we've got a crisis support fund where if you are going through financial crisis, we can help support you in that. You're part of the family, and, um, and that's what we're here to do, to support and care for one another. But what I'm talking about here is a heart issue. 
It's a heart, it comes down to our hearts. It's whether the primary source of peace that we have in our lives when we cut away things is that actually it's in our savings rather than in our saviour. It's a good thought for us to ponder. And giving, it breaks the stronghold of materialism. It sets us apart from the world and it allows us to worship Jesus and worship him fully, give him the glory that he deserves. Right now, you might be saying to yourself, okay, Ben, I broadly agree with you, but surely there is a less expensive way to kill consumerism in my own life. At various points in my life, I've asked the same question and I've ceased, I haven't come up with a satisfactory answer. I've failed to come up with anything other, and the Bible doesn't give us any other options either, any cheaper options. If you want to follow Jesus wholeheartedly, giving is an essential part of that. But the, the good thing is the Bible also talks about us getting to a place of joy-filled giving. So if giving is an essential part of the Christian walk, how do we get to a place of joy-filled giving? Thinking back to the first time I stepped out in faith, in this area, 2002, way back in the day, South Liverpool Vineyard, after feeling prompted from God, as tough as it was to give that money, I have had so much joy in the following years knowing that I partnered with God. I am absolutely certain that because of God is kind. If I had not have responded in that way, God would have provided a car for that pastor in a, in a different way. However, stepping out in this way, I managed to go on an adventure with God. And uh, just a couple of days ago, I thought I'd check out um, the South Liverpool Vineyard to see what was going on. I was only there for a short period of time. I don't have any friends who are still there. And um, had to look on the website, and that, that, that pastor, 20 years later, is still preaching. Um, he, he recently did a giving message um, two weeks ago um, on poverty and wealth. But the thing that really stood out to me was, and I felt God prompting me on this, that um, the area of which I was looking to buy a house in Liverpool is actually the area that the church ended up moving into. And... Until COVID, they were, they were meeting in this rough and ready studenty area that I had my heart set on. And so my house ambitions hadn't been fulfilled, but I felt God saying to me, look, in a small way, and I don't, and I don't know their journey of how to get there, and so I don't want to over-egg this, but in a small way, God has built his house in that area, and as a part of uh, my faithfulness in stepping out, and his kingdom is advancing, and his house is so much better than my house ever would have been there. We all get to participate. We all get to partner with Jesus, and we get blessed as a result of that. Also, it's a demonstration that we trust God, that he's first in our lives, that we love him more than the gifts that he lavishes upon us. Again, that message, God being generous, I think, came out in our worship. Being in step with Jesus is where true joy comes from, and true joy beats fleeting happiness. So what's the next step for, for you all in this area? How's God calling you to respond? Well, 
How can you get to a place of joy-filled giving? We're going to have some time and space in just a moment where you can ask God, and it's between you and him, what you would, you would do. But let me just lay out three things that are hopefully going to be helpful for you, for you to consider. If you've never given before, you're missing out on going on an adventure with God. So why don't you take a step of faith and just try giving something and see what happens? If you give occasionally, why don't you try giving regularly to the work of the church and see what God does to your heart as you do so? And if you give regularly to the work of the church, prayerfully consider what is the next step for you. Maybe you already give 10% of your income, which is massively generous and countercultural in itself. But what is God asking you to do next, the next stage in your sacrificial giving? When I started uh, to plan this message, the original idea I had was something very different. You know, I was going to run through our church priorities that we laid out in September. And I was going to spend some time highlighting all that God's been doing with us because there are some amazing stories of God um, um, stepping forward, breaking through, lives saved, transformations. And then the idea, though, was for me to do that and then for you to hear essentially how great Grace Church is and for you to think, right, Grace Church is worthy of my giving. You know, we're efficient. We have a great record in social justice. We've seen people come to faith. We did baptisms a couple of weeks ago. God is good. He is at the center. And we're trying to follow him with all that we have. And partnering with your church family, it does transform the city in which we love. However, as I was working on this message, I felt God remind me that first and foremost, Jesus doesn't want our money because he needs, to make church, he needs it to make churches run well. That's not what it is about at all. Jesus wants our heart, and he wants us to love him above all other things. You know, I can make a great case for why Grace Church is a wonderful place to give your money. But that would be missing the point. And in a sense, that actually then becomes a bit of Christian consumerism, where you're trying to give to the most worthwhile cause. So... We're not going there today. Instead, I've tried to focus on the heart of the issue of giving, which is about relationship with him and growing to become more like Jesus. In a few weeks' time, because the stories that God has been doing with us are totally worth sharing, we're going to um, provide you with a booklet. A booklet will arrive on your doorstep. you also get an email version of it highlighting what God has done over the last 12 months and how we have grown as a church in our priority areas. So how we've stepped forward in our relationship with God, our relationship with others, gospel reach, social justice and racial justice. So there will be time for those stories. And as you read it, be inspired by what God's been doing with us, his hand on us, because he's been so faithful. But don't be motivated to give to Grace Church because Grace Church is worthy of your giving. Give out of obedience to God and give because you want to make sure that he takes first place in your heart. Right now, uh, the band's going to come up, and we're going to just have a moment. We'll play one or two songs. And maybe if you don't know Jesus, I'd like you, 
in a sense, to discard everything I've said on giving. Don't focus on giving because Jesus doesn't want your money right now. Instead, why don't you spend a bit of time finding out why Jesus is better than absolutely everything else the world has to offer? Um, if you want to go on that journey, then we've got a prayer team. You can click on the button if you're watching online and uh, connect with someone from the prayer team. They'd love to uh, be alongside you and talk you through some of that or join in with the connect call in a few minutes' time. But for those of you who are part of Grace Church, this is your church family. Why don't you spend a few minutes now just asking Jesus how he wants you to step forward in faith in this area.